Welcome back, friends. We are in the middle of our three-week mini-series looking at building a great Christ-centered marriage. And last week, we talked about the physical intimacy in our marriage. This week, we're going to talk about communication in our marriage. And then next week, um, we're actually kind of doing all of this in build-up to Valentine's Day. So you can actually invest in your marriage beyond simply one day a year, and maybe your anniversary. But actually, the day after Valentine's Day, we're going to tackle our third topic, which is about forgiveness. And so um, I'm, in, I'm enjoying this. I'm excited about this. I love talking about marriage. I know on the podcast, I think we tend to talk a little bit more about parenting and kind of general family life. Um, but it is so important that we zoom in on our marriage, that we invest in our marriage, not only because it has huge impact on our kids and our like overall family life. So I hope that you're enjoying this little mini series and I'd love to hear from you. If you have specific issues or struggles in your marriage, um, now of course I don't, I don't do one-on-one counseling (laughs) at this season of my life, but I would love to know what you're struggling with so that I could maybe plan some episodes around those topics, or um, we've got some workshops coming up inside our private Facebook group specifically to address different topics that women have brought up as things they are struggling with, things they're working on in their life. And so whether that's parenting or marriage or whatever it is, um, let me know if there are specific things that you would like for me to cover. But these three issues that we're tackling in this three-week mini-series is based on the top three issues that I hear come up in the counseling room when I'm working with couples. There is a lot of a lot of people seeking counseling around physical intimacy issues, communication issues, and struggles with forgiveness. So before we jump into today's conversation about communication and some practical tips to help us there, um, I do want to remind you of some resources for all three of these areas, because especially if you're just jumping into this one particular episode, <laughs> Um, And you might hear me give that list and think, oh yeah, actually forgiveness is kind of a struggle in my marriage or whatever it might be. Um, If intimacy, if physical intimacy is a big struggle in your marriage, it's not something you are particularly enjoying, I would point you toward the books and the courses offered by Sheila Ray Gregoire. Um, And I'll have all these links online in the show notes, which you can find at loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 065 because this is episode 65. But Sheila is like the Christian sex lady. She's so approachable and funny and has decades of experience speaking about and teaching about improving intimacy in your marriage. And so she has some great resources for you. I will have all those links online. Um, And then if communication, if our conversation today is a big pressing issue in your marriage, check out our new 40-day devotional on communication in marriage. It goes deep into the scriptures. It has prayer prompts and conversation prompts and, of course, some of the classical devotional stuff, (laughs) thoughts and commentary and questions. Um, A really helpful resource, specifically zeroing in on communication in your marriage. And then when we think about forgiveness, if this is an ongoing struggle in your marriage, there is something Maybe it's a repeating something. Maybe it's a one-time issue that you just can't move past in your marriage. We will talk next week about this idea of forgive and forget. Is that possible? Is that good? How do we do it? Should we do it? (laughs) That's what we're going to tackle next week. 
But if this is an issue in your marriage right now, today, that is a time when I would encourage you to consider and possibly seek out professional help, whether that's with your pastor or a counselor, whether your husband's on board or not on board. So whether it's together or just individually, when ongoing forgiveness issues are present in a marriage, it's really important to step back and get some outside help, outside perspective to help us move forward in healing and reconciling and forgiving one another. So again, all these links are online, loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash zero six five. But I wanted to highlight them before we even jump into today's conversation, because I know sometimes when you hear a topic and it's just like, I want to go deep right now. I want to go deep yesterday (laughs) into this topic. So I want to make sure that you have those resources available for you. But right now, my friends, we are going to talk about four big reasons why couples struggle to communicate well. And we're not just going to talk about the struggles. Don't worry. This is very practical, very helpful. We're going to have specific tips and action steps to address all four of these reasons. And so whatever your struggles might be in communication, there's probably some element that we're going to talk about today. So I hope you will find it really helpful. Let's go ahead and dive in. Welcome to the Love Your People Well podcast, where we help women grow godly relationships, grateful hearts, and grace-filled lives. I'm Jess, and I'm a marriage and family therapist, a Christian, a wife, a mom, and I believe that God creates us for relationships, relationship with Him and with each other. So if you're looking to love God well, to love yourself, your family, and those around you well, you're in the right place. Stick around, friend, and let's get started. All right, friends, as we kick off our conversation today, I realized that I forgot to mention one additional uh, resource that I have for communication. So I mentioned the 40-day devotional on communication in marriage, and that is a really helpful, spiritually rich resource for you. But we also have our free 10-point conflict resolution checklist. And so we're not necessarily talking about conflict resolution today, um, But a lot of times when we think about poor communication or unhealthy communication, conflict is a part of that. A lack of problem solving is a part of that. And so if that would be helpful for you, um, that link will be in the podcast description as well as the show notes online, loveyourpeoplewell.com forward slash 065. You can grab that checklist and um, use that when conflict is brewing between you and your husband. Let me also remind you of... My disclaimer, I am a licensed therapist, but this podcast is not therapy. Um, None of the resources from Love Your People Well should be taken as personal or professional advice. And you can always learn more about that on the website or find some of my thoughts on the website about how to connect with a counselor if you do think that, that your marriage or just for any reason individually, that might be helpful in this season of life. So as we jump into our conversation today about these four big reasons why couples struggle to communicate well, I do want to say up front, it's not like these are four magic reasons and it's the end of the line. (laughs) You very well might have some other struggles that we're not necessarily going to talk about today. Um, When I sat down and thought about communication with couples, I mean, there are entire books written about this. This is something when couples struggle with it in the counseling room that we often talk about for weeks. Like it's not just a one-time half-hour conversation. So so please know that if you're struggling in a way and you listen to this episode and think, oh, she didn't really hit on my issue, 
Um, that's because there's so much that is normal and common, so much that we could talk about. And so I'm trying to go broad here um, with some of the big things that I see come up a lot, but I fully realize that I'm not covering everything. So <laughs> I am going to cover <laughs> four really common big reasons. Um, and this is not necessarily exclusive to your marriage, but of course that's the emphasis that we are looking at today. But if you listen to some of this, you might realize, oh, that actually gets in the way of my communication with my mom or my adult daughter or whoever it might be. So feel free to apply some of these thoughts to other relationships if that would be helpful for you. But the first big reason that I want to talk about today is the reality that sometimes couples make a lot of negative assumptions about the other person. And typically this would mean we're assuming the worst, like something happens and we just jump to that conclusion, which is negative and they don't care about me and I can't believe they would do this and how dare they. And like, we may not have all the details. We just assume something negative about the other person. There's a lot of reasons why this might happen. This might happen um, because of a history with that person. They have let us down in this same way 10 other times. And so when it happens today, we just kind of assume it's just like those other times. And now we're making that negative assumption. We're jumping to that conclusion. Or sometimes for a lot of couples, this is based more on someone's past. It might not have anything to do with that individual person. It might have to do with how I grew up or how my parents treated each other or a previous relationship that I've been in, or even just some own personal insecurities or struggles or pet peeves. It doesn't necessarily have to do with something that is specific and true to our husband or this specific partner that we're working with. And in the counseling world, we call this negative attribution bias. So when we have a bias toward assuming the worst about our husband, we have a problem. We're going to have a problem in our communication on an ongoing basis. And here's here's kind of an example of what this might look like. Your husband is late coming home from work. He's supposed to come home at 5.30 so that you guys can be eating dinner at 6. Like you've got your routine. The kids have their bath at 6.30 and then they go to bed, yada, yada, yada. You've got a plan. It happens this way most of the time. Today, your husband hasn't called. He hasn't texted and it's 6.15 and he's not home. You don't know why. You don't know what's happened. Now we can make a lot of assumptions in that moment. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong. He might be stuck in traffic. He might be stuck in a really big meeting with his boss. He might be helping a little old lady get her groceries to the car. He might have witnessed a car accident and he pulled over to help people. He might have gone for an impromptu happy hour with the guys and he didn't think to call. He might be out shopping because he just doesn't want to come home tonight because it's stressful and ugh, let me do anything I can to avoid coming home. It could be any of those. Now, I don't know your husband personally, but I know that each of us, if that happened, if our husband was 45 minutes late coming home and he hasn't called and we don't know what's going on, we're either going to jump to a negative assumption. He doesn't care about me. He's avoiding coming home. He's so unthoughtful because he's not calling, what's wrong with him, I can't believe him, or we're going to jump to an assumption that might be maybe more fear-based, we're worried, we're assuming the worst. Of course he would call if he could, so he's probably been in a car accident, or 
He's always so thoughtful. I know that he probably got caught up helping somebody and I'm annoyed, but I understand that. We're going to jump to some sort of conclusion in that moment. And it's worth considering, what would your brain jump to? You're frustrated. The kids are hungry. You don't know what's going on. He's not answering his phone. Do you assume the worst? Or do you assume maybe something's wrong? You assume... Um, there's some logical or maybe neutral reason for why he's late, despite the fact that you're frustrated. This is obviously just one example, but we've probably all been there where he hasn't called and he's running late and we have to decide, am I going to assume he's doing this to hurt me? Am I going to assume the worst? Or am I going to assume that there is some logical reason that, that this is happening? I don't know about what it is. I'm already annoyed, but... I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and assume that he has my best interests at heart. He would call if he could, or he would be home if something hadn't gone wrong. And if we extend this example a little bit further, we have to then think about, okay, based on where my mind goes, when I look at my watch and realize, oh my gosh, it is 6.15, he is not home, he hasn't called, I've called him and he didn't answer, what's going on? Our conversation when he comes home is going to look very different if I am assuming the worst, if I'm assuming I can't believe him, he went out to a happy hour again and he didn't call me, that is so rude. Well, how am I going to treat him when he comes home? What am I going to say? What's my tone of voice going to be? What's that conversation going to look like after I grit my teeth and we put the kids to bed and now we're alone for a conversation? Versus if I have made the assumption, if I've kind of jumped to a more positive or neutral perspective thinking, He must have gotten stuck in a meeting. This is so frustrating. Gosh, but I guess it happens sometimes. He'll get home as soon as he can. Well, now how am I going to greet him when he comes home? What will my words be? What will my tone of voice be? What will our conversation look like after we put the kids to bed? Those are going to be very different conversations. And we don't know. I mean, it might be true that he went to a happy hour without calling you. It might be true that he got stuck in a meeting at work. In this moment we're talking about, we don't know. And so a big issue that happens for couples is that we start assuming the worst about the other person. And when we jump to a conclusion, whether we have some grounding for it in the past or not, but today in this moment, I don't actually know what has happened. And I get to decide, am I going to jump to that negative conclusion and let myself get angry and bitter and frustrated? And then that's our conversation when he comes home or Am I going to maybe make a list for myself of all the possible things that might have gone wrong? So some things that we can do if this is a struggle in your marriage, if you find yourself or him making negative assumptions about you or about the other person, some things that we can do to change this are recognizing our thought pattern and challenging them. So in the moment when you find yourself thinking, I can't believe he went to another happy hour, ask yourself the question, okay, pause do I actually have evidence that that's true? Do I actually know that that is what has happened? And then we can ask ourselves, are there other possible explanations? And brainstorm in the moment, if you can, three possible other conclusions that are equally possible, but either more positive or more neutral. And so this list that I've given you in our example, you can run through that list. You might jump to the negative assumption But then you can pause and say, wait a minute, Jessica, do I have evidence that's true? Are there other possible things that might have gone wrong? Well, yeah, I guess he might have gotten stuck in a meeting. 
And, you know, there have been a few times where he did see a big accident on his way home and he stopped to help them, which of course is the right thing to do, even though I'm hungry and I'm annoyed. Uh, You know, I guess now that I think about it, he might be running late and maybe he couldn't call because he's been having issues with the battery on his phone. Maybe we need to deal with that just in case that's the problem. And now in this example, instead of jumping to the negative and staying there and getting angrier and angrier, I'm allowing myself the chance to back out and consider other possibilities. And yes, he might come home and you talk about it and you find out, oh, he did go to that happy hour. He did ignore calling me because he was mad about our fight this morning. You might find out that that negative assumption is true, but you're at least starting that conversation from a more neutral and calm perspective. So that is our first big reason why struggles to com- why couples struggle to communicate well is if we're making negative assumptions about the other person. And what we want to do is stop ourselves and challenge that thought process and try to think of other possible conclusions that we could jump to. We didn't jump there. We jumped to the negative, but we can pause, back up, and at least remind ourselves of other possibilities to help calm ourselves down. Now, our second conversation, communication issue that a lot of couples struggle with is getting stuck in black and white thinking. So this would mean we're using words. Now, maybe we're saying it out loud. Maybe it's just in our head, but we're using words like always and never. He never takes out the trash. He always forgets to call when he's running late from work, whatever it might be. When we find ourselves in a pattern of using words like always and never, of thinking of things basically as it's either all this or it's all that. And most especially, when we begin to apply this type of thinking to our husband's character, not just his actions, but his character, his values, the essence of who he is, his identity, well, now we are keeping a record of wrongs in our head. And we're setting ourselves up for a conversation that is based around negativity. And, and, and really, it's just unfair to the other person, we're not allowing any space in our brain for them to change for them to grow for them to do something different, even if it's out of the norm, that's actually in the direction we want them to move. And so an example in this area, black and white thinking, Now, I wonder, have you ever asked your husband to take care of some household chore, to take out the trash? And he says, sure, no problem. I'll do it as soon as the game is over. He's watching the football game or whatever it is. And then you're going to bed at night and it still hasn't been done. Maybe even it's three days later and you're looking at the trash thinking, yesterday was trash day and you didn't take it out. Has this ever happened? And if it has, in the future... When it happens again, maybe it's the second time and it's three weeks later. Uh, Maybe it's the 58th time and it's a year later. If it happens again, do you start to think, you never help me out. You always ignore me when I ask you to do something. You never carry your own weight around the house. You never take out the trash. You're always too busy to do what I want you to do. You're never prioritizing me. Do you start thinking in terms of always and never? simply because it's happened before, whether that's once or 50 times. Or maybe we actually address the current moment that we're in. We actually address, hey, honey, you said you were going to take out the trash. 
I'm heading to bed. I know it's going to stress me out if I wake up tomorrow and I see the trash. So um, let me just put out that reminder or just let you know this is really important to me. However it is, you might handle that conversation with your husband. But instead of thinking he never does this or he always does this, do we actually address what's happening in the moment rather than adding on all this crap, all this baggage from the past And that is our helpful strategy for how to challenge this. So if you find in your marriage that one or both of you get stuck in that black and white thinking, that words like always and never come up frequently in your conversations, again, recognizing and challenging that thought pattern will help, but also working on forgiveness, dealing with those level, those little frustrations before they grow and grow and grow. And yes, my friends, that's probably going to be an awkward conversation. And you might need to practice ahead of time. Look in the mirror, practice saying what you need to say, write down some phrasing of what you want to say so that you don't get too emotional or you don't get too negative and accusing. You might need to do some prep work, but it's going to be really helpful to have a conversation to address the issue, whether it's chores or something way bigger, to address it in the moment so that you can move forward so that you can forgive one another so that it's not still lingering in the back of your mind the next time something similar might happen. And it's always helpful to reread 1 Corinthians 13, which tells us don't keep a record of wrongs. Don't keep reviewing all the things that this person has done wrong in the past. Address it when it happens so that yes, later that thought might pop up, oh, he always does this or he never does this. But at least then you can say, well, we've talked about this before. We're actually at a different point now. Now we have an issue with a pattern and we can talk about the pattern. We don't necessarily need to jump to this tells me a huge, deep part of your character and I have problems with it. And you never, 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 never just stopping yourself in the moment and challenging that thought, addressing that thought, having the conversation. It's going to be awkward, but it's going to be really helpful to actually moving forward. So let's look at our third really common issue in marital communication, and that is playing the blame game. Playing that classic game of Adam and Eve to say, oh, well, the serpent lied to me. Oh, well, Eve gave me the fruit and I had to eat it. That was the very first reaction after the original sin, and we are still playing the blame game today. And I think we all know what this can sound like. Again, you might say it out loud to each other or it might just be in your own head. But if you find yourself with a struggle or a problem or some sort of issue that needs to be dealt with in your marriage or your family or your home, and you're thinking, well, he did this. Well, he let me down. He made me angry. That's not actually going to be helpful, friends. And a lot of times that's where we get stuck. So of course, our communication is not particularly enjoyable or productive because we can't control the other person. It might be true that he didn't take out the trash. There might be 10 different reasons why that could have happened, but it might be true that that's what he did. That doesn't have to make you angry. That doesn't have to lead to an argument. But if we focus on the blame, on what they did wrong, what they should have done differently, We don't have any influence on that. We can't change that. What we can change is ourselves. Did I get angry? Did I ask him to do it? Did I yell at him to do it? Did I nag him to do it? How did I respond when he did whatever it is that he did? 
And that takes us to our action step. If you want to change this part of your communication, if you find yourself out loud or in your own head playing that blame game, looking at what they did rather than looking at what you might be able to control or change or influence, it's really helpful at that point to hit the pause button and acknowledge your own experience, your own role in this situation. What were your emotions? What were your reactions? That might not change. Well, I don't say might. That will not change what he said or what he did or what he didn't do. But it can start to change how we think about that and how we respond to that. And a a really helpful strategy here is to use what we call in the counseling world, we call I statements. So using a statement like, I felt really let down when you said you would take out the trash and then I woke up the next morning and it was still there. You're focusing on how I felt when this happened. And yes, he's the one that did the thing that happened, but you're not focusing on that. You're not focusing on the blame. To focus on the blame, you might say something like, you really let me down when you didn't take out the trash. You weren't listening to me and that made me super angry. In that phrasing, you're focusing on the blame. You did this and I really had no choice but to get angry. I mean, that's basically the message we're saying at that point. When the reality is, if we focus on, I was really upset the next morning. I was really angry this morning when I saw that the trash was still there. I was really disappointed when I remembered, you said you were going to do it yesterday and you didn't. I don't know what went wrong. All I know is I was really upset this morning. When you're focusing on yourself, I did this or I felt this or I'm struggling with this. It's a lot softer of an approach to the other person. If we play the blame game, we should assume their defense is going to go up. That wall's going to go up. Now they're going to be trying to blame us back, defend themselves. That is human nature. That's our natural response. Someone's blaming us. We say, hey, 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 wait a minute. And we put up a wall. But when someone comes to us saying what they're struggling with, what they're feeling, what they need, the focus isn't on us in the same way. And now I get to be the problem solver. I get to step in and say, I'm so sorry. I get to step in and say, oh, let me take out the trash right now. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do that necessarily, but it makes it easier to receive that information and move forward in the conversation rather than getting stuck with now we're all on the defensive. And then the fourth common communication issue that I wanted to talk about today is when we find ourselves expecting the other person to be a mind reader. Now, I know we don't logically expect this. No one has ever come into the counseling room and sat down with me and said, I just don't know why my husband can't read my mind. I mean, they might say that, I guess, if they're joking. (laughs) We don't actually assume or believe that they can read our mind, but so often we act in ways that assume that they are. So many times I've heard a husband say, are you okay? And it's very obvious to everyone in the room that the wife is not okay, that she's upset or she's frustrated, but her response is, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And my friends, that is just not an A, it's not honest, but B, we're expecting them then to respond based on what they think, what they are assuming, what they're guessing, rather than what we're actually telling them. So many times 
I mean, I know that I have been guilty of this example in the past where, you know, you want, you want a date night, like, Hey, it's hun- It's been a while. Let's have a little romance. Like, where are my flowers? Take me out to dinner. I want some, you know, we've got kids at home and I'm exhausted and I just want to get out for a night. And instead of saying that, instead of saying, Hey honey, it'd be really fun to plan a date night. We start hinting at it and we start getting annoyed that, gosh, he hasn't planned a date night for me in three weeks. I can't believe it. He, gosh, he must just not care about taking me out, about making sure that we have fun in our marriage. You know, we start down this trail of thinking, assuming that the other person is reading our mind, expecting them to want the same things that we want or to think about things in the same way that we think about them. And that is simply not realistic and it's not helpful. So again, I don't I don't say this as a common barrier because I think that you are thinking this way, that you're thinking he didn't read my mind about a date night. I can't believe it. But because we so often just kind of assume that we're on the same page, we assume, oh, if I'm wanting a date night, he must be wanting a date night. And if he's not doing anything about it, oh, it must not be important to him or other things must be a priority. When in reality, he's probably just not thinking about it. He probably just, it hasn't crossed his mind for whatever reason. He's busy. He loves to come home and play with the kids at the end of the day, whatever it is. That's a whole different situation than if we actually tell him, hey, honey, I would love it if you would plan a date night sometime in the next few weeks. That would make me really happy. Period. The end. You can move on. (laughs) Like we need to be willing to be more upfront and more vulnerable with each other. And that is our strategy to respond to this. Stop assuming that you're on the same page. Stop assuming that because something is important to you or because something seems so obvious to you that your husband is going to naturally pick up on that. Stop thinking if I drop enough hints, he's going to know what I want for Christmas. He's going to know what I want for Valentine's Day. Often for a variety of reasons, there's a lot of gender stereotypes we could talk about here. (laughs) How do men think about things versus how do women think about things? But at the end of the day, we need to be willing to ask for what we want, to share about our thoughts, our desires, our goals, whatever it is with our spouse. So be more upfront and try to be more vulnerable. And yes, it might feel awkward to ask for something like it might not feel quite as romantic to ask for a date night. But if it's important to you, would you rather it happen because you asked about it and he said, oh yeah, you're right. Oh my gosh, it's been that long. I am on it. I'll plan it. Or it just never happens because you wait and wait and wait for him to ultimately to read your mind and to realize, oh wow, she wants this to happen. So ask for what you want and practice explaining things so that someone not inside your own brain will understand it. (laughs) Like you might need to Uh, You might need to share why you value a date night with your husband. You might need to share why it's so frustrating to you when the trash doesn't get taken out, even though he said he would do it. You might need to practice sharing about your emotions with your husband. And we need to realize he may not always respond well. We might ask for a date night and he forgets. Okay, yes, now we might be frustrated. Now we might have a different conversation, but at least now we're having a conversation about something that we both knew about that we were at one point on the same page about. So another example that I want to highlight there, just kind of angles in a slightly different direction. I do want to speak into this one gender stereotype. Um, It's really common for women to want to talk to their husbands about their day or like this recent problem I've had, this recent conflict. 
for women to approach that type of conversation often wanting validation or like emotional connection, I just want to share this with you and know that you, you hear me, you appreciate me, you're on my side. Men typically want to problem solve. If, a, if their wife comes to them to talk about a problem, their brain typically goes into like, how do I solve this? How do I make this better for her? How do we solve this problem together? Not that they don't think you can do it. That's just that natural, like, I want to help mentality. And if we don't acknowledge some of that, if we just assume, well, I'm just going to vent and he's going to know that all I want is for him to, to nod and hug me and tell me how wonderful I am, he might not know that unless you tell him that that is what you want. I, I bring up this specific example because I have seen this be life-changing in many marriages where conversations are happening and you're trying to listen to each other, but you want different things from the conversation or you think the other person wants their problem solved or something like that. And when we actually tell them on the front end, look, I'm not, I'm not looking for you to solve this problem. I really just want to vent for a few minutes. Or I really just want to share this experience with you. And, and here you tell me that I'm not crazy. I just want to tell you about my day. I don't really, I don't need any problem solved. I've got it under control. Telling them that on the front end can go a long way in having a more enjoyable conversation. They know what you're expecting. You don't need to worry about how they're going to respond. It makes things easier for everyone. So I just bring up that specific example when we think about, are we expecting them to read our mind and to give us what we want, even though they don't know what we want? That is a very specific type of conversation that as a marriage therapist, I have heard many, many, many times, and I have seen the difference it can make when the wife can approach whatever she's going to say, telling him how she wants him to respond. I really just want you to help me feel better about this. I really just want your encouragement in this situation. Or sometimes I am stuck and I do. Can you help me figure out some solving, some problem solving ideas? Sometimes we do want that. But telling them on the front end, this is what I'm wanting from this conversation can go a long way in getting what you want from that conversation. And then having the chance to be successful at that conversation. So that might have felt like a little bit of a soapbox, but I see it happen a lot. And I have seen how powerful that change can be being upfront, being vulnerable to ask for what we want. And I did make a note here when we talk about communication last week in episode 64, where we talked about physical intimacy and nine tips to have an amazingly intimate uh, relationship in your marriage. One of the things I talked about was not having technology in your bedroom, like protecting that bedroom space. And I mentioned in the moment how often it is that couples, because you don't want to argue in front of the kids, will retreat to the bedroom, close the door and have an argument. Now, maybe that's, you know, obviously sometimes we have to argue or problem solve and it can get heated. But whenever possible, this may be a little bonus communication tip, try to avoid doing that in the bedroom, in the space where you want to fall asleep next to each other at night, where you want to enjoy physical intimacy together, where you want to feel rested and refreshed. That's not the place you want to have an argument lingering, especially if you don't happen to solve that argument that night and come to a resolution and really feel like this is behind us. So that's just a little extra tip. Try to have the argument in the bathroom if you need to, go to the car if you need to. <laughs> I don't think you should argue in front of your kids and try to do that big, deep 
we're on different sides of this page and we need to figure it out argument. But I also know that it can be dangerous to always have that argument in the bedroom. So that's just a little bonus tip based on what we talked about last week. Um, that is all I've got for today, my friends. And so we will be having some fun conversations inside the Facebook group, um, this week about communication and tips and building each other up in how we communicate in our marriage. So if you're not in the Facebook group yet, just scroll right on down in your podcast to the description. There will be a link right there. We would love to have you join us and continue growing and investing in your marriage with the support of a Christian community of women who are striving to be the best possible wives and moms and and Christian women that we can be, Christ followers that we can be. We will be back on Friday with our bonus Friday Faith follow-up episode. Um, I'm going to share my favorite marriage therapy technique, um, which is always a lot of fun. So you're definitely going to hop back over on Friday to check out that one very specific technique of how to communicate with your husband that will be really helpful for you. But I will save all of that for Friday. And for now, my friends, hugs and blessings to you. I'll talk to you soon. Hey friend, before you go, if this episode was helpful or encouraging for you, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a written review. It not only encourages me, it helps other women connect with this community. And you know what else? You have a chance right now to love your friends well. Copy the link to this episode and send it in a text to someone who you know needs to hear today's conversation. Or just take a screenshot, post it in your Instagram stories, and tag me at loveyourpeoplewell.